What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kentucky Connection Pod. I am Kentucky Calvary here with Laren. It's been a while since we have done one of these. There's been a lot going on. Um, I've been working a lot, had, had some stuff going on in the personal life, um, and Laren has as well. So we've kind of just been, um, you know, taking a little break from this, but there's been so much news going on over the last couple of months. It's pretty much impossible to not hop on here and do a pod. So how you doing, Laren? It's good to see you again, man. Doing pretty good. Yeah, I've just been busy with work in the gym on my summer break from school. So um, just, I'm happy to get back to this and giving our thoughts on stuff. Yeah, man, me too. It's I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, you know, we were kind of on a roll there with the pods. We were we were pumping them out. And then, um, you know, the pods were doing really well. And since then, I've gotten some DMs from people asking, you know, when the next episode is. You know, I've got a couple of friends who listen in real life who have been begging for a new episode. So it, it's time. It's time. We've got a lot of topics today. This might end up being one of the longer episodes just because we have so much to cover. Um, so I guess just jumping right into this, uh, we'll start off with um, Kentucky Wildcats, Ty Ty Washington and Shaden Sharp getting drafted in the um, NBA draft, which just happened a couple of weeks ago or like a week ago. Um, so what do you think about where our guys landed? I mean, Ty Ty is the only one who played for us. And so he's kind of the primary concern here. He got drafted 29th overall to Houston and then Shaden went seventh overall to trailblaze to the trailblazers. So what do you think about those fits? I mean, I feel like he's not Houston. Uh, Portland needed someone beside Dame. And I feel like if Shaden can actually, well, she's injured right now, but if Shaden can hit on his potential and tap into what he can be, I feel like he's a perfect fit next to Dame. Um, as far as Washington, I think he slipped. The Rockets got three guys from the SEC and all that can play ball. And Ty Ty, from what I've seen on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, everyone loves that the Rockets got Ty Ty. So. Yeah, man, I was I couldn't believe he slid that far. I mean, some of the guys getting drafted ahead of him were just I mean, it was borderline disgusting seeing seeing some of the guys who were getting picked ahead of him. I mean, he was a top 15 recruit coming in. He had a good season at Kentucky. You know, it got kind of derailed by his injuries. But I mean, before injury, I think he was averaging what, like 14 points, you know, four rebounds, five assists from the two guard spot. We got to see um, his playmaking potential when he played a point for us against Georgia and broke the school record for assists in a game. He had 17 assists in that game. So it's like he obviously has the potential, um, and I couldn't believe he slid that far. And honestly, I think Houston won the draft with landing. You know, they had the – was it the third pick, and they grabbed Jabari Smith, and yep. then Tari Eason was the 17th pick or the 14th pick, one of the two, and he was really solid. And then, um, you know, he was a great player from LSU, and then, of course, grabbing Ty Ty at 29 was, in my opinion, the steal of the draft. So Houston's got a crazy young core. They've already got Jalen Green on that team. Um, and you know, guys like Josh Christopher, Alper and Schengen, like they, that young core on Houston is, is next level. Like they're going to be really good. Yeah. Um, but like pre-injury for Ty Ty, he was, he was like elite, like one of the best in ball, regardless of class. And then he got hurt. I think it was against Florida and that kind of just derailed his season. Uh, he had that game against Florida, you mentioned 17 assists, which broke a school record. As a true freshman in like his 14th game, broke a school record for assists, and he had to step in and play point guard for Severe that was hurt from the LSU game. I think that was, so he was able to step into that one guard spot. And I'm not saying he'll do that in Houston, but say Green goes down, maybe they can slide Ty Ty to the one for a little bit if they need him there. Well, I think I think right now they've kind of got Green as a you know he's a more of a wing for them. I think they've got like Kevin Porter Jr. running the one. So honestly, I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. is even a pure point. So it's like I feel like the the writing is on the wall there for Ty Ty to 
be the starting point guard in Houston at some point. Maybe it won't be as a as a rookie, but um, I can just imagine a lineup of him at the point, Jalen Green at the two, maybe like Jay Sean Tate at the three, Jabari Smith at the four. Well, I guess Tari Eason would be the three. Um, Jabari Smith at the four and then Alperin Schengen at the five with like Kevin Porter Jr. coming off the bench. Like that's that's a really, really solid young team. You've got a lot of star power there. So I like that fit. And then, you know, people were, you know, a lot of people are pretty unconcerned with what's going on with Shaden. Some people care. Some people don't care. Um, personally, I don't have any ill will towards the guy. So it's like, um, you know, I hope he does well. But him going him going seventh overall um, was kind of surprising, especially to Portland, because I remember the reports being that Damian Lillard was one of the guys in the Players Association who did not want Shaden Sharp to be a he like he did not want Shaden Sharp to be eligible for the draft like they they he thought it was a fishy situation and he didn't want him to be eligible and then they went and drafted him so kind of an interesting situation there where Damian didn't Damian Lillard didn't even want Shaden to be eligible uh from what I heard I mean that from what I've read and everything that's true like the NBPA National Basketball Players Association uh, Damian Lillard's like the president or vice president and he was the one that like really pushed back against Sharp being draft eligible. He didn't like how Dwayne Washington handled things, and Sharp didn't play or anything. But um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, bro. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, I think that's an interesting situation overall. And, I mean, we still don't even know – like if Shaden Sharp's any good, like he kind of got drafted just purely based off of potential. Obviously, you know, he didn't show anything in college um, other than, you know, dunking through layup lines, which we like to make that joke about, you know, the layup <laughs> lines and stuff. But, um, you know, some of the other cats that got uh, picked up, I think Kellen Grady got signed to a, I don't know if it was a two way or, or what to the uh, Denver Nuggets, which I think would be an interesting fit for him. You know, I think, the Nuggets are kind of a team that have a little bit of a lackluster bench. So I think him being like a scoring or a, a, a sharpshooter off the bench for them could be interesting. Maybe sliding into like a Duncan Robinson or a Max Struess role, like similar to how they play for the Heat. I feel like he could be just a good sharpshooter off the bench for them. And then I think Davion Mintz, I don't think he signed a contract, but I think he's just he signed a summer league contract with the Wizards. Um, I think it was some form of contract like – I don't know the exact term, but I think he signed some kind of like small contract with them for the summer. Right. Right. So, you know, those guys, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they can do. I think Kellen Grady is good enough to make a roster at some point. Maybe he'll be a two way guy. Maybe he'll hang out in the G League for a little bit. But I do see him as a potentially like if Michael Mulder can make an NBA roster, I feel like Kellen Grady can make an NBA roster. And that kind of segues into talking about UK's summer league performances. You know, the summer league's going on right now. And Kentucky's got a lot of guys playing in the summer league right now. You know, we talked about Michael Mulder, who I think is like one of the leading scorers in the summer league right now for the heat. You got uh Ty Ty has been playing really solid basketball for the Houston team. Um, Isaiah Jackson's playing really good for the Pacers. He had like a crazy dunk that kind of went everywhere. Um, I think it was last night. Um, Davion Mintz, I, I saw he like caught a lob, like a, a pretty, he caught a lob for the Wizards, which was cool. You know, just he's like a tiny guard going up and catching a transition lob, which was cool to see. So uh, Olivier Saar, Brandon Boston, like there's so many Kentucky guys in the summer league right now. So what do you think about what we've seen from some of these guys? I know Sasha Kalia Jones, that's a name a lot of people might forget, but he's on the – I believe he's on the Lakers summer league team. He's playing pretty well. Right. Um, Mulder, he's on the heat, right? Mm-hmm. 
so the Hawks, I'm a Hawks fan, and the Hawks played the Heat, and we we were ahead by 20 points the whole game. But, like, when it got within, like, 10 or 8, it was because Mulder could not miss from three. Like, Mulder was, like, Drano. Um, Jackson, I've seen highlight videos of him. He's just swatting everything. Uh, he had that uh, – he may have had some kind of help in the defense, and then he's sprinting down the court, caught the ball at the three-point line, took two steps, and just dunked it like a tomahawk almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kellen, I feel like he could come off the bench and provide that spark in terms of shooting – and we did see at Kentucky he can dribble if he has to. Right. So I feel like Kellen could come off the bench, be that spark three-point shooter, or if he has to in, like, pinch situations, he can handle the ball. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think Kellen's definitely good enough to make a roster. Um, whether it's the Nuggets or not, I don't know. I think he would fit decently with that team. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, it's good to see our guys. You know, Nick Richards is playing really well for Charlotte. I think they guaranteed his contract through this year, so he's going to have a chance. I mean, they don't have a center. I think they drafted Mark Williams from Duke, so he's going to have to compete with him. But, honestly, I think Nick Richards could be a solid long-term backup center in the NBA. Um, so, you know, he's been doing a good job of protecting the rim, and he's just, you know, we, we know what type of player Nick Richards is. So it's been cool to see, you know, I've watched a couple of the summer league games. I've been working so much. It's been hard to catch any, but, um, I've watched a couple of them and it's been, it's been dope to see. I know I watched one of the heat games and Michael Mulder was getting buckets. And then Nate Sestina is on the Kings summer league team. I watched a Kings game the other day. Um, and I guess we could talk a little bit about just as a whole, like some of these guys, like Chet Holmgren for OKC has played way better than I thought he would at first. Like I thought it, he would be a guy it would take a little bit of time for him to adjust to that level. But like he has been playing really good, like his debut. I don't even remember his stat line, but he went crazy. He had like six blocks, like 20 plus points. Like he was balling. Right. Um, but I mean, it's not shocking to me because I was listening to a podcast one night about how the money line was moving with Paula going number one and Jabari going down to number three or two because OKC was always drafting uh, Chet. But Paula has already been shut down. Uh, yeah, yeah, they already took him out of the summer league. They don't want to take any chances. He was dominating. He was going crazy. Like, Paolo – He told reporters after the first game, he was like, I'm just getting back used to this five-on-five stuff. I haven't played this in, like, four months or two months or whatever it's been. Good. I mean, I knew Paolo was really good, but seeing him because I did watch. I think it was the Magic versus the Kings. So, because I, I so because I, I kind of wanted to see how uh, Paolo played, and I kind of wanted to see how Keegan Murray played for the Kings and stuff. And Ke- first of all, Keegan Murray's been doing. I kind of like made fun of the Kings for that pick, but he looks really good. And like everyone was like, do what. It was a logical pick, in my opinion. It was a logical pick, but when Jaden Ivey's sitting there and he has that much star power, it's like, I understand, like, they have the guards and stuff, but they don't really, like, other than Malik Monk, who they just signed, which, by the way, we called that on the podcast. I don't, know if it was, I don't know if it was the last podcast episode or it was a couple podcast episodes again, but we called it that Malik Monk should sign with the Kings. We said it makes perfect sense, team, re-team up with um, – uh, Darren Fox, you know, he would have a spot there. So we, we called that. I just want to point that out. We, we, we called that he was going to sign with the Kings, but heard it here first. Yep. Heard it here first. Uh, so the Keegan Murray pick is starting to look a little bit better. I mean, I think for me, I think he's just more ad- advanced and more NBA ready just because he's kind of an older guy. I think he's the oldest top five pick in a long time. Um, I think that he's like the first, it's like the first time that a junior has been picked in the top five in a while. Um, so I think he's just more NBA ready. So we'll just have to see how that works for him. But he's been balling. But yeah, it's been crazy to see Paolo Bancaro, man. He 
I mean, he just looks so comfortable out there. I feel like with the NBA spacing and the way the NBA works, like he's going to be way better than we saw in college because he was good in college, but I feel like the college spacing just kind of held him back a little bit because you see him hitting – like, bro, he hit like a James Harden step-back corner three. And I'm like, dude, you're 6'11 doing that. Like, what? Yeah, it's funny. Kentucky fans actually clowned Paulo because he ended up coming to Duke because Duke said, like, hey, you can come in and play whatever you want on the floor. Positionless basketball. Right. And uh, Paulo – I mean, Kentucky fans, we made fun of him, but Paulo made that – he made a tweet about how he's a positionless player and can do all kinds of things. And it's funny, like, three years later, two years later, I mean, you obviously how he's doing. Um, I was listening to, like, the Eyes on College basketball podcast – and, like, the most underrated part of Paulo's game is his passing. Yeah, I mean, he's an incredible passer. His his vision is crazy. It's like, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised when he went number one overall. Like, I felt like his upside wasn't as high as a guy like Chet or Jabari. But now after seeing him play, it's like he his floor is higher than both of those guys, and his ceiling might be higher than both of those guys. Like, I think Chet has the highest ceiling – um, and I haven't been very impressed with Jabari in the summer league at all up to this point. He's kind of not played well, but like Paolo, dude, he, I mean, he, there's a reason that they, they shut him down. Like they don't want him to risk him getting hurt. He's already shown what he needs to show. Um, so man, that magic team, dude, I mean, they're another one of those teams with just so much young talent. You know, you got Paolo and you got Markel Fultz and you got Cole Anthony and, and Franz Wagner. Like, oh, that team is, that team is pretty stacked with young talent, Mo Bamba. So it'll be interesting to see you know, how that goes. Who's your, uh, you said you had the Rockets as the winner of your draft or who's the winner of the draft? The Rockets would be the winner of the draft for me or the Pistons. I think the Pistons drafted really well too. The Pistons was my pit. Yeah. I mean, they got a, they stole Jaden Ivy at five. Like it's crazy to me that he was, like I said, I mean, Murray is probably going to end up being a pretty logical pick. You know, he felt he filled a position of need for the Kings and like, they just need to get guys who can contribute now. But Jaden Ivy has like Ja Morant potential. So it's, um, I don't know. We'll see how he goes. I mean, Ja Morant alongside Cade Cunningham, that might be the most talented backcourt in the NBA. Like that's, and then That's you got an 18-year-old man-child, Jalen Duran, in the oh front. Oh, my goodness, dude. He, <laughs> yeah, he he already – I mean, he he gives me DeAndre Ayton vibes. I think he'll be a similar player to DeAndre Ayton. So, the fact that they were able to steal him in the late lottery was a, definitely a big W. And then uh, who else, didn't they pick up someone else, like, pretty good? I – I look, he can't remember. I know that they – I mean, I know, I know about Ivy and I know about Duran – and they they stole Durin, bro. They they stole Durin from uh, the Knicks because they traded they traded like somebody to the Knicks for the Durin pick, and they they basically got Jalen Durin for a bag of chips. I think they had to take on Kimball Walker's contract though, which was not great. But and all I see is Ivy and Durin for the okay. Well, I mean, still just getting those two. Like basically, they got two very they got two top five talents basically. Right in the top in the top in the lottery so they they definitely are a potential winner but now kind of moving off of the nba topic um we're gonna give our top 10 college basketball teams going into next season you know it's it's a crazy year bro i mean i can't really remember the last time this many teams returned this much talent and i think nil has a big is a big reason for that because you go you got guys like armando baycott at north carolina who typically, if NIL wasn't a thing, they probably would have 
taken advantage of the fact that he just had a national championship run. He was the best player on the team, had a national championship run. He would have tried to have gone and got drafted. But now because of NIL, he can just come back to college, be financially stable, make a lot of NIL money and potentially raise his draft stock. So what's I guess we'll start off with your top 10. Um, go from 10 to one. So 10 and I may be a little biased compared to some people. Um, I got the Horn Frogs. Um, uh, I mean, TCU, they returned Mike Miles Jr. He was in the same recruiting class as Cade and Greg Brown and all them. Um, he's just he, – Mike Miles, he's an all-around player in my opinion. Um, Damian Bow, he went down to almost the wire, I think, but he's coming back. Um, Lampkin and then O'Bannon. And then you have Emmanuel Miller who is killing it, I think, for Team Canada right now overseas or was killing it before the USA beat him. Yeah, TCU is interesting to me because Mike Miles was probably one of the best overall guards in college last year. And then they're returning a lot of talent. I mean, wasn't Damian Ball at – he was at Memphis first, wasn't he? Like he's a former four-star, borderline five-star recruit um, who was – he's a bucket. So, I mean, hey, TCU is nice. Number nine, I have Texas uh, just because they returned Carr. They have uh, Timmy Allen, I think is his name. And they have two five-stars coming in, Morris, and I forget the other one's name. And then they have the Iowa State transfer, Tyrese Hunter. Um, I just feel like Texas is going to be good again. Eight, I have Duke. Uh, some people have them higher, but they return one player, one starter in Roach. And then um, they have the top recruiting class. That's my only pick for them being number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven, I have Kansas. Uh, they have Wilson and Harris. They have the um, Joseph Yusufu. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Yusufu, uh, I think. Yeah. They have uh, Grady Dick, MJ Rice. Uh, they have Uden. I think they were all three five stars, like top four stars, low five stars. And then um, Kevin McCuller, the transfer from Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. So I have Kansas at seven. And six, I have Baylor, uh, Flo Thamba. Flagler, LJ Cryer, and then Keontae George. Um, Keontae George, he's had like 32 points in like 20-something minutes. Like he was killing it for Baylor. And then my top five, uh, pretty low compared to national people and then other people I listen to. I have Houston at number five. I mean, they made the Elite Eight last year. They returned their top two scorers who were hurt due to injury or out due to injury. And then – they have the five-star center, Jarris Walker, coming in. Mm-hmm. And then t- uh, four, I have Arkansas. Um, they bring in four transfers, the two um, – the Twins and then two others. And then they have three McDonald's All-Americans in uh, Anthony Black, Nick Smith, and the – I hate to say it, the bald dude. I don't know his name. The bald dude. Jordan Walsh. <laughs> Jordan Walsh. The bald dude. I mean, Nick Smith, and what gets me riled up on Twitter is that Arkansas fans are like, oh, yeah, we stole Nick Smith from you. Nick Smith wants to be at Kentucky. I hope you all realize that. Yeah. yeah. Like, if it wasn't for Sharp, us taking a Sharp in the middle of the year, Nick Smith would be a cat right now. 100%. Oh, yeah. He was Kentucky bound, but he thought Shaden Sharp would be here, Case and Wallace. So, you know, he didn't really think he would have a spot. Right. And then uh, number three, I got the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, You bring bring back Wheeler. He was a Bob Cousy finalist. You have Oscar Shibway. I mean, 
I don't need to say anything else. Nope. <laughs> Jacob Toppin, which if you listen to all the Kentucky outlets, like Kentucky Sports Radio and uh, all them, Toppin's like the most confident player on the floor right now, playing at like an all-time high. So he has the potential to be like a breakout. Like I think he could be an All-American this year if he plays his cards right. Mm-hmm. Um, Wallace. I saw somewhere where, like, regardless of class, they have Casey Wallace being, like, one of the best two-way players in the nation. Oh, yeah. And then we have Livingston. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that Kentucky is my three – or my uh, number three team. And then two and one, I can see either way. Um, I have Gonzaga at number two just because I feel like – I mean, North Carolina was dominant towards the end of the year. Gonzaga, I'm going to sound like a typical – college basketball junkies and they play in the West coast conference. Like, yeah, they, now they did show out in the few out of conference games they had, but, um, they bring back Timmy Strother. They have, uh, that transfer from Chattanooga. So, I mean, I got Gonzaga at number two and then North Carolina at number one. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's a respectable list for sure. I, mine is kind of along the same lines. Um, I have Baylor at number 10, you know, Cryer and, you know, those the rest of those guys that you had coming back. Keontae George, the top five recruit coming in, um, you know, and I think – what's their coach's name? I just blanked on his name. Do you remember? Drew Scott. Drew Scott. Scott Drew, yeah, Scott Drew, yeah, yeah, Scott Drew. Scott Drew, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches in the uh, in the country, especially after Jay Wright retired. I honestly could say he's probably a top two or three coach in the country. Um, he does a really good job of maximizing the talent that he has. Um, so I really like Baylor at number ten. Um, at number nine, I've got Creighton. Um, they landed that South Dakota State transfer, uh, Baylor Shireman. You know who we were going after at one point. Um, so you know he's going to be really good. They got Ryan Kalkbrenner at center. I believe they have Nimhard back. Um, at the guard spot. So, you know, they're, they're a really solid team. And uh, Coach McDermott, you know, typically has Creighton playing at a high level. So I got Creighton at nine. At number eight, I actually have UCLA. Um, I think UCLA is going to be really good. Amari Bailey is a top two or three. I think he was a top three recruit coming in. Um, you know, Adem Bona coming in. But you also have Jaime Jaquez coming back, Tiger Campbell. Um, you know, a lot of players coming back from the last year's team. I feel like if Johnny Juzang had come back, they would have been top five for me. Um, but I really do think that UCLA is going to be uh, really, really good. And Mick Cronin's doing a great job over there. He's done a good job of maximizing that talent. And number seven, I have Texas, you know, Marcus Carr back for another season. They got Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, who some people think could end up being one of the best guards in the country next year. Uh, Timmy Allen, you know, they got a couple five stars coming in. Chris Beard has done a great job in his career so far. Um, at number six, I have Duke. You know, they just signed potentially one of the craziest recruiting classes ever with like Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell and um there's more that i'm just not remembering off the top Tyrese proctor reclassified tyrese proctor derek whitehead yeah derek whitehead's one of the best players in the class um and then you know returning jeremy roach um you know but they did lose a lot you know losing ben caro losing keels losing wendell moore um so we'll just have to see how those freshmen step in but signing one of the best classes ever plus plus uh you know returning a good guard like jeremy roach you know i think that they're just going to be really good but we'll just have to see how um john shire does in his first year as the head coach at number five i've got gonzaga i know you had them at two i'm a little bit lower on gonzaga than most um you know their conference doesn't help but i think that they're worse than they were last year like they lost andrew nimhard they lost chet holmgren 
Um, you know, they got Strother back, but Strother doesn't move the needle for me. Drew Timmy, I mean, he's he's good, but he's been there for so long. It's like he still hasn't done anything. I feel like if you have Gonzaga like as high as two or one like me, which I am, I guess, counting on it, you almost got to rely on Hunter Silas and uh, Nolan Hickman. Nolan Hickman, you almost got to rely on one of them to be the starting point guard or two guards. Yeah. I mean, if their guard play is good enough, like, they'll be fine. I just don't see them as a top three team. Um, you know, lose, like I said, losing guys like Holmgren and losing guys like, um, uh, you know, they lost, they had like a senior guard who they lost. And, you know, they, they're just not, they don't really impress me too much. Losing Nimpard, you know, we'll have to see how Hickman and Salas develop. You know, they could both end up being really good. But as of right now, I'm just not too convinced on Gonzaga. And then they're just going to play a bunch of weak teams and then not be ready for the tournament and then get upset by some random team in the tournament like they always do. So not the argument on Twitter that people got in with Hunter Salas' sister. Yeah, bro, that was a whole thing. Oh, my goodness. I don't even remember the exact context. I think, like, I don't even know. Hunter Salas mid. Yeah, we call there's a bunch of Kentucky fans calling him mid, and his sister got mad. And then this other like Gonzaga report, like this Gonzaga reporter who I actually who actually follows me, we've had interactions in the past, but um, this, the Gonzaga reporter like started this whole thing. I don't know. It's just whatever. You know, Gonzaga's done nothing to warrant talking trash to us, so they should just shut up until they win something. But at number at number four, I've got Arkansas. Uh, their recruiting class is crazy. Nick Smith. I'm honestly the only the only thing I'm bitter about with the Shaden Sharp situation is that we didn't get Nick Smith. Like I couldn't care less about the Shaden Sharp situation at this point, but Nick Smith is seriously really really good, and I really wish we would have had got him. Um, but you know him leading the running running the helm over there, Anthony Black, uh, Jordan Walsh. Um, you know they're returning some talent. Uh, you know, they did lose Note and Jalen Williams, who were their two biggest contributors, but I think they're going to replace them pretty easily. So Arkansas, very impressive to me. I love Eric Musselman. In fact, he would probably be one of my picks uh, for after Coach Cal leaves. I really like Eric Musselman. Um, so I got Arkansas at four. At number three, I got Houston. You know, they made an Elite Eight run last year. They returned pretty much their entire team. They got five-star Jarris Walker coming in. Um, Marcus Sasser will be back from injury and he's their best player. So they made the elite eight without two of their best players. Both of those guys are going to be back. Plus they landed a five-star, um, freshman coming in. So I think Houston's going to be really good. Uh, Kelvin Sampson is an incredible, good, incredibly good coach. So, uh, I got Houston at three. Then I got uh, our Kentucky Wildcats at two. I mean, severe Wheeler, Bob Cousy award finalist, Oscar Shibway, reigning national player of the year, and probably the most dominant player in recent memory. You know, Damian Collins most likely going to take a jump to being a first-round pick. Jacob Toppin going to be a senior. Hopefully he takes a jump similar to his uh, older brother, Obi. Um, you know, you got five-star Cason Wallace, who in my opinion is the best freshman we've had in a really long time, the most physically ready one at least. And then Chris Livingston's looking good. Even Adu Thiero. They're, like, Adu Thiero th th was a three-star coming in or four-star coming in, and, like, we kind of see him as a project player. But from the videos I've seen, like, he's very advanced defensively, and he's kind of, like, ahead of the curve a little bit more he's so than growing. expected. Yeah, he's still growing. He could end up being a 6'8 point guard, which would be crazy. But, um, you know, overall, you know, Lance Ware, we're, we've just we're, – we're deep and we're talented and – we're experienced, you know, Severe Wheeler will be a senior. Jacob Toppin will be a senior. Oscar Shibway will be a senior. That's three senior starters. And then you have one of the best freshmen in the country with Casey Wallace. And then Antonio Reeves transferring from Illinois State, another experienced scorer. Like, I'm very high on Kentucky this year. 
Um, not even just from a biased standpoint. I just think roster-wise, we're really good. And all the reports coming out of early camp is that everyone looks sharp and everyone looks motivated and the like. everyone's getting stronger. I don't know if maybe Rob Harris, the, the strength coach, was the one holding us back all these years. Maybe he was the problem because apparently like ever since we got the, ever since we got a new strength coach, we've just been like our guys are just like physically at their peak. So Kentucky, I think, is I mean, they could be the best team in the country going into next year. Do you see the uh, report about Braden Welsh, the uh, new strength coach, strength and conditioning coach? What report? Um, he's apparently like talked to each person individually about like what they need to work on and like what specific. I, I didn't read the article; I just saw headlines. But like, Cal is expecting him to like be the sports science guy, and he's done all this research about what to help each player individually. And I just think. Rob Harris didn't necessarily do like that today. No, I think I did see that Rob Harris's priority was just getting them in the weight room and having them lift weights and stuff. And he wasn't really, it, it, it sounds after that, it's after hearing that, it sounds like this new strength coach is more concerned about the individual rather than, oh, everyone just go out and lift weights and you'll get stronger. Whereas this guy, it's like, okay, how does your body work? How, what do you need to work on? You know, that different, different things like that. So that could end up being very, very important for us. And then I have North Carolina at number one. I mean, they had a pretty mid regular season. Like they didn't do, like they were an eight seed for a reason. They were not that good in the regular season. We beat them by 30. Um, so, but you know, they had that run. They returned like 90% of the team. I think the only starter they lost was uh brady manic right because caleb loves back rj davis is back armando baycott's back leaky leaky black is back i think leaky black is back current walton transferred walton transferred so yeah Yeah. leaky black is back who's one of the best and most versatile defenders in the country and then they added uh i think it was the kansas state transfer I forgot his name, but they added a transfer at power forward who's going to replace Brady Manick, uh, and he's like better than Brady Manick. Northwestern's so. Pete Nance. Northwestern Pete Nance. Yep. Not. I don't know why. I, it was the colors, the purple and white. So I yeah. got it mixed up with Kansas State. But yeah, Pete Nance was one of the better and more underrated players in the country last year. I think he averaged like sixteen and six on really good efficiency. So he's better than Brady Manick. He's going to fill that Brady Manick role. And then I don't know much about their recruiting class, but. Um, you know, they're just going to be experienced. They had a championship run. It kind of reminds me a little bit, not completely, but it reminds me a little bit of remember with the Julius Randle team, we had kind of a shaky regular season. We went in as an eight seed. We made it to the national championship. We lost, but then the next year we returned like most of our team. And that was the year we went undefeated in the regular season. So I'm not saying North Carolina is going to do that, but it kind of reminds me of that situation. So I just have UNC at number one going in. Here's a question for you about North Carolina. Um, with Pete Nance, um, would you rather have Pete Nance or Gigi Jackson reclassification? I mean, Pete Nance is more like I feel like he'd fill his role better because, like, I mean, let's be honest, Caleb Love and Armando Baycott are going to be the offensive focuses for them. So if I'm a North Carolina fan, honestly, I would rather – I mean, I know if he doesn't reclass, he's probably going to go – or if he does reclass, he's probably going to – I think I saw reports he's going to go to like South Carolina or something. So he, he, I guess North Carolina doesn't want him to reclass, but he wants to reclass. I don't know the whole situation there, but personally as a UNC, if I was a UNC fan, I would say I would rather have Pete Nance rather than a GG reclassification, because at least, you know what you're getting with Pete Nance. GG could come in and be garbage. So, right. so yeah, that, that'd probably be my personal one, but uh, that was, that was a pretty long winded segment about our top 10 college basketball teams, but 
it it needed to be done. I think it's uh, good to kind of get a good grip on on who how the landscape's going to look next year. There's going to be so much parity in next year's college basketball season because everyone is returning a ton of talent. Like we talked about it a little bit before the before we started the pod about how like teams like Illinois or Auburn or Tennessee could kind of end up being really good as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But now stretching into the next one, uh, we got to cover Rob Dillingham committing to UK. Now this happened a couple weeks ago, but like I said, we've kind of been out of commission for a little bit. So let's just touch briefly on this. I mean, we're not going to say anything that people haven't already heard, but uh, I am, I was notoriously very low on Rob Dillingham, you know, a few months ago when there was the report came out that, Oh, we might get Rob Dillingham. I was kind of mad because at the time, I didn't really like his game. I felt like he was kind of a self-centered player. Um, he wanted to just chuck up all the shots. You know, he had like, some drama going on, um, you know, with his – like apparently he was like silently committed to Kentucky, then he committed to NC State, then he decommitted from NC State. He plays for Kanye West, Donda Academy. Like it, everything surrounding Rob Dillingham was just fishy to me. I didn't really like his game. Um, but the when he committed to Kentucky, I was like, fine, I'm going to give it another chance. I'm going to look at his film. And I watched a lot of Rob Dillingham film, and I am now a Rob Dillingham truther, bro. Like, he he <laughs> is a bucket, bro. And I love – he's an intense defender. Um, I really, really like Rob Dillingham now. I have been converted for sure. Yeah, everyone uh, thinks just oh, – at the time when Dillingham committed, uh, it was still all the Wagner to Louisville buzz. So everyone's like, oh, we're, we're out of the running for Wagner now. And in my head, I was like, that makes absolutely no sense. Wagner's a combo guard. Dillingham's a point guard. I remember you said you actually said that because I said that landing Dillingham would take us out of the running for Wagner, and you were like, you didn't think so. And I personally thought so. I thought we were done with Wagner by landing Dillingham. But it seems like you were right because the buzz around Wagner has shifted back in our direction. Well, once again, referencing Matt Sack. Uh, Matt Sack, I think it was Matt Sack. Say that three times fast. Um, <laughs> I think he referenced that like Dillingham and Wagner are like they're not opposed to playing with each other. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it, and uh, someone else mentioned it in the podcast. I don't know if it was Sack or someone else, but Dillingham's a point guard, Wagner's a combo guard. And at first they were opposed, and then I guess over time they kind of grew to like, I guess, not care. Yeah. And the fact that we have the number one point guard coming in. And I don't want to say probably nothing set in stone yet because he's still taking official visits after Peach Jam, but we could have the number one combo guard mm-hmm. and the number one overall player in the class. Right, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, man, and that I mean, that's pretty much all we need to say about Dillingham. So we can push into about the 2023 class because this is kind of the big topic of of today because Coach Cal is on one right now, bro. Like he is going crazy with the recruiting it seems like something has shifted with his mentality it seemed like he was almost I don't want to say lazy but he was like borderline just sleepwalking through recruiting over the last couple of years like we're not been signing the same caliber of recruiting class that we used to and it looks like bro let's just let's just take a look at this we've got Rob Dillingham already committed who's the number one point guard in the class top five consensus top five recruit in the class then now all these predictions are coming back in. Like all these analysts, Travis Graff, Travis Branham, the the high ranking prediction guys had him going to Louisville. And all those guys have flipped their prediction from Louisville to Kentucky, which is big. Jamie Shaw, Jamie Shaw has a 95% confidence that Wagner will become a wildcat. Right. And so it's like, what happened there? Because two weeks ago, a week ago, 
I was fully convinced that DJ Wagner was not going to come to Kentucky. I thought it was a done deal, but apparently the Kentucky coaching staff has never wavered on their confidence that he's coming to UK. Like apparently it's just not. And then, you know, he, he was in uh, Spain for the team USA stuff. Uh, DJ Wagner was and coach Cal and like the whole Kentucky staff went over there to watch him and to see him and stuff. And then Louisville only sent an assistant right. and then they sent that assistant to watch. And then he tweeted out something like, Oh, this Spain trip has been great. And then he deleted the tweet. So it's right. like, I don't know, man. It's like, dang, we really might land DJ, uh, you know, after I thought we were fully out of the running for him. So what I've seen, or heard, I guess, podcasts and just reading. The only ties Wagner has to Louisville is Milt, and I guess Kenny Payne's like a uncle to him. Yeah. And then if you look at it, and this is from Matt Sack's recent podcast. I, I just listened to him a lot, and he had Wagner in there for this one. Um, Wagner apparently doesn't want to be a Cardinal. Apparently, yeah. that's what it was on that podcast. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, dude. The connections are like, okay, we have connections too. Coach Cal to DJ Wagner's dad is a very important figure. Like Coach Cal like kind of like saved DeWan Wagner's life basically. Yeah. Yeah. So like they like there is a big debt there. I mean, I'm not saying a debt, but like there's a big connection there. Like DeWan Wagner and Coach Cal are very close. Um, and you know, DeWan Wagner loves Coach Cal. So there's that connection. And we've been on DJ from the beginning. So it's like Louisville, like, why at this point, if you're DJ Wagner, why would you risk going to Louisville and potentially tanking your stock? Because I mean, we saw what happened with like Imoni Bates to Memphis. Imoni Bates was number one player, regardless of class, went to Memphis, tanked his stock, and now he's at Eastern Michigan. So it's like that could happen with DJ if he's not used properly. If you come to Kentucky, you know you're going to be used properly by Coach Cal because he's done it before and he gets his guys to the NBA. The thing with Wagner, Wagner doesn't want to be a point guard. Like that's his whole like – if he comes to Kentucky, he won't have to run the point. You have Dillingham. Obviously, there's going to be times Dillingham's out. They're going to put the ball in – Wagner's hands mm-hmm. but Wagner doesn't want to be a point guard and right now Louisville has one player that's considered a guard and he wasn't even that good last year playing guard yeah and then uh you have Caleb Glenn who was committed under uh Chris Mack Caleb Glenn was going to Louisville regardless of who was there a head coach I know he had like Indiana Tennessee and A&M and then he had Louisville like, he was going to Louisville the whole time because he's yeah. in Louisville's backyard so if he if Wagner goes to Louisville He's running point, and because he's better than uh, Glenn, he right. just run point guard. Yeah, and I mean, but like I said, it just doesn't make any logical sense. Like, oh, Kenny Payne and my granddad are at um, Louisville. Like, cool, but for a career choice, you want to go to Kentucky. Like, it's it's a no brainer. Like, you if you're a consensus top five pick going into next year, you come to Kentucky, you play your role alongside a bunch of other great players. Like our recruiting class is going to be infinitely better than Louisville's. He's going to be surrounded by great players. All he's going to have to do is play his role, win a bunch of games and go get drafted. Whereas at Louisville, there's a very high chance that he could be used improperly or coach Kenny, you know, coach Payne, maybe, I don't know. It's just like there's too many question marks there. I feel like it just makes way more sense for him to just come to Kentucky, be here for his one year, and go. It makes a lot more sense. But then looking at the rest of this class, guys like Justin Edwards is another consensus top five recruit who we were all – everyone was convinced he's Tennessee-bound, and now all these big analysts are switching their picks from Tennessee, like Travis Graff, Travis Branham, those guys – 
are picking Justin Edwards to Kentucky. So it's like we're we're in a situation where now we could have DJ Wagner, who's number one overall player in a class, Rob Dillingham, who's number one point guard in a class, and then Justin Edwards, who's number one small forward and another consensus top five player. So we could have three top five players coming in. We've already got Reed Shepard committed. Um, we Aaron Bradshaw, you know, the five star center who is DJ Wagner's teammate. You know, it, it's we're kind of iffy on whether he's Kentucky or G League. And then Uganda Kingsley, another five star center. Like we could end up signing six five star recruits. We could end up signing six top 15 recruits, which would be utterly insane. It would be the best class we've landed in a really long time. Just seems like Swaggy Cal is back with this recruiting, man. Yeah, um, Swaggy Cal, I mean, you've seen the last few years, he didn't offer a whole lot of people. Like, he would wait till like, the end of the recruiting cycle. Like, why are you going to wait till Philip Kowski and Kills are Duke-bound and you offer them a week before their commitment? Yeah. It, this isn't 2012, 2013 when you can do that and they'll come to Kentucky. I just exactly. feel like Cal, he's hopped back into – because Edwards was Tennessee-bound because we were we were going after Matas, Ruzalis, Holland – all these other wings, and then we just – they all went elsewhere, obviously. Well, not Holland, but Bezalus and the other wings, Cook, they all went elsewhere. And Cal said, let me handle the Edwards recruitment. So yeah. Cal has been recruiting Edwards himself the last, like, month, I think, since April. And um, Edwards, what I heard is that if we ever went back to recruiting Mook – or Mook uh, – is it Mook? Mookie Cook? Mookie Cook. I don't know why that was probably <laughs> <laughs> recruiting Mookie Cook. Then Edwards camp was like, no, we're done with Kentucky. We're going to Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, we always kept on recruiting Edwards. And now Edwards is in Jack Pilgrim terms. He'll wake up and decide I'm going to Kentucky instead of like wavering back and forth every day. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I mean, just, just landing those three guys that we mentioned, DJ Rob and Justin Edwards, like the, that's, probably the best three-man class we've had in a very long time. But then you fill out the rest of the class with those other guys, and then you potentially have a bunch of returnees from this year's team. Like I could see a guy like Antonio Reeves coming back for another year. Chris Livingston, if he doesn't have a great freshman year, he might come back. You know, I mean, we'll lose guys like Jacob Toppin, you know, Damian Collins. If he doesn't develop as much as we think he could, he could. he's already said that he's down to be a four-year player if he has to. Um, you know, Lance Ware will be back. So it's like, bro – we really could have an insane team in 2023. We're already going to have a good team in 2022, but the 2023 team could be insane. And then, you know, I guess the big argument right now is like Aaron Bradshaw versus Uganda Kingsley in terms of who we want the center to be in that class. You know, there's been rumors that Kingsley might reclassify to 2022, come join this year's team and just redshirt and then be on next year's team. I don't like that idea in the slightest. Um, and then I, I like Aaron Bradshaw a lot better. I think he's a lot more of a overall guy, but what do you think about the Aaron Bradshaw versus Uganda Kingsley stuff? Personally, I've only seen like little Instagram, like the videos players post with the highlights and the sound, like the music behind it. I've only seen that of Kingsley and like, he only has defense going for him right now. He's very raw on offense. Um, well, Bradshaw, I mean, he posts one of those videos like every three days and he's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. He's active on the glass. I just – I want Bradshaw for sure. Kingsley, he's more of like a liability in case Bradshaw doesn't work out or Bradshaw goes to the G League after committing to Kentucky. Um, but I personally, I'd take Bradshaw. That's just me, though. Like yeah, Bradshaw sure. my No, I'm the same. I've watched some Kingsley film, and I'm very – I mean – 
I was low on Dillingham, and now I'm not. So maybe after a little bit of time, I won't be low on Kingsley. But I'm pretty low on Kingsley. I I don't if if it comes between Aaron Bradshaw and Uganda Kingsley, I am definitely on the Aaron Bradshaw train. I just think he's a better overall player. Aaron Bradshaw is gonna be a a, a um. He's going to be a project too, though. He's not going to be an instant, instantly great player. Like he's kind of thin. He's not, you know, super polished offensively. I just think he's better than Kingsley off rip. I would be down for Kingsley to come and just be a backup if he'd be cool with that. But if he wants to come in and contribute immediately, it's like I honestly, I'm I'm off the Uganda Kingsley stuff, bro. Like I, he might end up being way better than I think he is, but personally, I'm pretty low on him. So, but overall, it's like. And then there's even other situations like Ian Jackson, the number one player in the 2024 class, is considering a reclass to 2023, and he's a Kentucky lean. So it's like I I don't want that to happen. I personally hate reclassifications. I think he should just stay in 2024, be the number one recruit in that class, come join Kentucky in that year, Um, because I think we'll have such a good class in 2023 that we don't need Ian Jackson. But even that is a possibility. Like Coach Cal is just going crazy. And then we talked about how he was recruiting players late in their cycle. And that was why we weren't landing some of the guys that we wanted, but he's off. He's already offered like 15 guys in the 2024 class, which is not something we've seen him do in a long time. Yeah. When that contact period reached out to uh, the 2024 class, like I think it was June 1st, we offered like four guys right away. Um, And then we reached out to like eight or 12 others. And then right before this podcast, we offered two, 2024 today in the last two hours we've offered two 2024 guys it's like whoa like what is happening i just think cal he's seen like what's happening with everything in terms of like the college recruiting landscape and how the game's going and i mean i guess he just figured out he's swaggy cal has to come back to get these top players and it's a little frustrating because i feel like cal always makes the right adjustment it just takes him too long to do it like it's like if you had just made this adjustment a little bit earlier, we could have landed some crazy good players over the last couple of recruiting cycles. Guys like Cade Cunningham, guys like Paolo Bancaro, guys like Jabari Smith. Um, and that pushes into the next thing. Like Jabari Smith had an interview yesterday where he said he always wanted to be at Kentucky. And the only reason he didn't end up at Kentucky was because we didn't offer him until like the end of the recruiting cycle. He was the, he was a top five player in the class and he ended up being one of the best players in the country last year. Could you imagine if Jabari Smith was our power forward on last year's team, dude, like if him and Oscar were on the same team, we would not bro. That, that team would have been ridiculous. But if we would have got Jabari, that would have pushed out Keon. Like Keon would have transferred after. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would have taken Jabari over Keon any day of the week, dude. Like, no disrespect to Keon. I love Keon. I appreciate Keon. Hope he does. Hope he kills at Washington. Hope he averages 30 points a game at Washington. But Jabari Smith's a top three player in the country, and he won freshman of the year. He's the best. He was. He would have been a way better option for us. Well, he's uh, in the interview. He said that whenever like he got his first offers, it was like two other schools and Auburn, and they were with him from the jump. And I guess Auburn was like the biggest school out of the three that offered him first and stuck with him. So he always yeah. stuck with Auburn. Now, I, I listened to another podcast, um, coincidentally enough, the Match Sack podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but apparently he was always going to Auburn regardless of who, like, who offered him, like what big school came after him, like all the Blue Bloods. He was always going to Auburn, apparently. Well, I th- again, I think the reasoning behind that is just because Auburn was so early on get- on getting onto him as a player. Like, if Kentucky had offered him as a sophomore and we had stayed on him, he would have been at Kentucky. Like, I think that that's just a foregone conclusion. Like, yeah. if you grow up at Kentucky – and he even said stuff like, 
he was like, yeah, growing up, I watched like the Carl Anthony Towns team and the De'Aaron Fox team. And like, I wanted to be there. Like, that's where I wanted to be. But Kentucky didn't get on me until like, I mean, why would he go on a, why would he go on an interview and say that if it wasn't true? You know, it's like, if he did, if he had been offered by Kentucky earlier, he would have been at UK. And that's where it's like, come on coach. Like you got, you cannot wait that long because relationships matter in this situation. Like he had a relationship with Auburn and Bruce Pearl for years and then we just come in at the end and we're like, okay, now we want you because you're a top five player in the class. And then he's like, nah, bro. Like, I'm not like most of these guys don't want that fake love type stuff. Like that just comes across as fake love. It's like, oh, now we want you because we need a top five player in this class. Whereas Auburn always wanted him and always prioritized him. And that's what coach Cal needs to do moving forward. And that's what we're seeing. You know, I mean, we never would have seen him offer a four-star guard out of the state of Kentucky in the 2020, like two classes away. Cause he offered Travis Perry, um, the 2024 guy. He never would have done that in the past ever. Like we, he never would have gone after a guy like that, that early, but he's like, okay, you know, I, I see the potential. I need to get on this guy before someone else steals him. So I like the adjustment Cal is making here. I just really wish he'd have done it before because the, over the last few years, there's always been that one missing piece, like the 2020 team. If, if Cade Cunningham had ended up at Kentucky, it's it's a different story, bro. And then last year, we missed out on Paolo and Jabari Smith. Well, the so, thing I heard um, – Paulo supposedly was considering a reclass if he would have committed to UK. Mm -hmm. You would have had Cade and Paulo on the same team? Yeah, we wouldn't have gone 9-17, and 17, I promise you that. Yeah. I mean, we would have had to ask you, not that anyone cares. But oh, no. I, I couldn't imagine if we didn't have Devin ask you, bro. Like, oh, no. I, Devin ask you is a bum, bro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, he's yeah. At I don't know. California now. Do what? He's at California now. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll average two points per game over there too. Probably. <laughs> but anyway, that's that. I mean, that's a lot of the, that's all the basketball uh, topics we have today. And there's actually been a lot of stuff going down with football recruiting over the last couple of weeks, um, which I feel like is important to touch on. Um, you know, for I, I guess we could start off with the story about three-star DB Christian Conyer decided to go to Tennessee instead of Kentucky. That was a big thing, and then there was a bunch of drama on social media about it. He like replied to Vince Merrow with some weird video and nobody really knew what the heck was going on with that. And it's just like, Oh no, we lost Christian Conyer to Tennessee. And then the next day we landed four star Avery Stewart, who's way better than Christian Conyer. So that really didn't sting for very long. And then Kobe Keenum was the number three center in the class committed to Kentucky over Louisville. He faked out Louisville in his commitment video. He like picked yeah. up the hat and then put it down. Yeah. And then he was like undercover, in his like Louisville picture when he was on his official visit to Louisville, he's like sitting there taking a picture in the Louisville uniform and he's like subtly throwing the L's down in his picture. That was bro, I already love Kobe Keenum. Like that was awesome. Uh Caden Mormon, love that guy. The best, I think one of the best recruiters for like the football, like a football oh. recruit recruiting. He made his profile picture the uh uh, Louisville visit for Keenum for a little bit. Yeah, him putting his L's down. Yeah, bro. Caden Mormon. I love Caden Mormon, bro. He's he's already one of my favorite recruits ever just because he – like that dude is already passionate about Kentucky and he hasn't even stepped foot on campus yet like for to play. He's like he's not even played for us yet and he's like obsessed with the University of Kentucky. I love when we get that type of energy from players, bro. Like it's it's incredible. And he's – like you said, he's trying – he's on Twitter – recruiting guys and trying to get guys to come here. And I think he's being, he's very successful with it. I think a he has helped a couple of guys come here. So I love seeing that. Um, 
let's see. Oh yeah, we got the Sam Houston State transfer. Uh, he's he was uh, the I think he was like at the time of committing to us, he was like the number two or number three player in the uh, transfer portal. So we landed. Do what? I think number two. Yeah, he was the number two ranked player in the transfer portal. Um, and, I mean, he was an absolute monster of a running back for Sam Houston State in the FCS. And it's like you look at that and you're like, oh, he's just in the FCS. But the dude is very explosive. He is very – you know, he's a great running back. He's a very good player. Um, and, you know, that's kind of – him committing to us kind of leads me to believe that Chris Rodriguez might be out for a pretty extended period of time. You know, we won't touch on that because we don't know all the facts just yet. But, you know, Chris Rodriguez could be out for a good bit. And if that's the case – like, I don't know, dude. I mean, Lavelle Wright and, like, Jaton McClain and guys like that, I could see being the starter. But, I don't know, Ramon Jefferson out of Sam Houston State could end up being RB1. I'm big on Lavelle. I know I've mentioned it before, but I've seen him play live, like, in high school. And that dude can do it all, whether it's catching out of the backfield, um, running the ball, obviously. He can pass block, which, you don't – not all running backs want to put their nose into someone's chest pad and block them. Right. He can pass block. So, I mean – I'm personally big on LaBelle. I mean, and Michael Drennan, like we have like six running backs who are all good enough to play. So it's interesting. And then we landed the Tennessee transfer D Beckwith, who's technically a running back, but he's like 6'5", 220, most likely going to be used as like a fullback or a flex back or an H back type thing. I could personally see him like Rich Scangarello when he was the offensive coordinator at, um, at uh, San Francisco, he utilized, or was he the quarterback's coach? I don't know. I think he was the, OC. No, he was the quarterback's coach. But anyway, he he utilized um, Kyle Jujicic or whatever his name is. He's one of the best fullbacks in the NFL. And he utilized him a lot. So I think I could see D Beckwith stepping into that. We don't need any more tight ends. Please don't make him a tight end. I hate when we get like a tall, big guy and they always are just like, "Mm, you're a tight end. I mean, for coming, it made sense though. It makes sense, but we have we already have a bunch of tight ends. We got Jordan Dingle, we got Isaiah Cummings, we got um Keaton Upshaw. I don't want any more tight ends. Stop, stop it. Like he's a put him at H back. He's a 6'5, 220 guy who can play. He was a running back at Tennessee. Move him to fullback. Let him go block guys, catch passes out of the backfield. He could be such a great weapon. Um, of course, ten- Tennessee fans, when we landed in, they're like, Oh, he's he's trash, he's terrible, blah blah blah. But he's a former four-star recruit. He's got great intangibles, he's a big guy. We could definitely use him. So I like that pickup as well. We do have two tight ends committed for next year though already. So I know. I'm bro. Honestly, I like <laughs> like tight ends are cool, but I'm tired of tight ends, dude. Like I stop it. Stop tr- stop turning guys into tight ends. Um, um Anthony Brown, he's committing on Saturday. I'm I'm 99.9% sure he's Kentucky bound. If he's, he's not star, right? four star receiver, number one receiver in Ohio. Look. This school year, my tuition's covered, and I'll pocket like 300 after everything covers my schooling. If he's not a Wildcat on Saturday, I'll give my 300 to someone. Like, <laughs> Anthony Brown is a Wildcat. And hey, then- uh, I'll, I'll send you my cash app, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. I don't know much about him, but I do think that, you know, from what, everything I've heard, Anthony Brown will be a Wildcat, and he'll be the second four-star wide receiver in the class next to Shamar Porter. So getting both of those guys coming in was going to be really cool. Uh, you know, I love that we're landing guys like this, man. And like four-star, like we talked about Avery Stewart, the safety we landed the other day. His nickname is Chaos, which I think is super cool. But like we're land, people are trashing on this recruiting class. Like, oh, this year's recruiting class sucks. Blah blah. blah. We're not adjusting with NIL, but we're still landing some really good players. 
You might want to make it three receivers too. Um, that four star out of IMG, Devin Hyatt, is that his name? I think so. Yeah. Um, he, everyone is saying like, oh, Brown and Hyatt are going to be the like best receiver duo at Kentucky in a long time, and they both like the tweet. So I mean, Ooh. I feel like Hyatt's leaning towards Kentucky too. That's like wow. three four star receivers in one class. That would be unprecedented. And then uh, the four star quarterback. Um, What's his name? He decommitted from Florida State yesterday. What is it? Was it Chris Parson? Chris Parson, yeah. Um, four-star quarterback decommitted from Florida State yesterday, and the immediate buzz after he decommitted is that Kentucky's the front runner. So it's like, bro, this class we could have a four-star quarterback, three four-star wide receivers, four-star Avery Stewart at DB. Like, even if this doesn't end up being one of our better classes, we're like, it's going to be very top-heavy. And then guys like Tommy Zeismer, who's already committed, he's the Boyle County defensive end. That guy is should be a four-star. I feel like if he played in any other state, he'd be a four-star. Right. So. Like, this class is going to be good. Kobe Keenum, you know, number three center in the class. So, even if we're not, like, a top 25 recruiting class like we were this past year, I think we were – I think our 2022 class was, like, 14th in the country or something. Um, even if our 2023 class is not like that, it's still going to be full of guys like Caden Mormon, who should be a four-star. And, you and know – they dropped him. Yeah, they dropped him after he committed, and they did the same thing for Avery Stewart. Bro, yep. Avery Stewart went from a four-star. He was like the number four player in the state or something, and now he's like the 20th-ranked state player in the state, and they've dropped him down to a three-star. The disrespect yep. continues. They did it for Keontae Goodwin. They took away his fifth star when he committed to Kentucky. It's like it's, it's like the rankings don't always mean anything because it's there's obviously politics involved. Like if Keontae Goodwin had committed to Alabama, they probably would have slid him to being a top-five player in the class. So or if Stewart would have went to Auburn or whatever other school he was considering, they probably would have bumped up to a high four star. Yeah. So with that being the case, I'm not too concerned about the ranking, you know, and you know, Tennessee fans and Louisville fans, they're starting to land all these highly ranked guys and they're like, Oh look, we're passing up Kentucky again. It's like, bro, we have always landed three stars and turned them in. Like Benny Snell was a three star. Lynn Bowden was a three star. Like these guys. Allen was a two star. Josh Allen was a two star. Yeah. So it's like we've always been landing these lower rated guys and turning them into great players. But now we're starting to get five, six, seven, eight, nine, four stars in every class. And it's like the talent level on our roster is higher than it's ever been and will probably continue to do so. There could be a point in the future where 90% of the starters on our team were four stars or higher, which would be crazy. So. In one year, our receiver room went from being Wandell and Ali, and that's literally it, like maybe Demarcus Robinson a little bit, or Demarcus Harris. Yeah. Maybe him. But, like, we went from having those three, mainly Wandell, and now we have receivers transferring out because they're not going to get time here. And the receiver room is full. Yeah, the receiver room is stacked full of four-star talent. You know, former four-star Dane Key, former four-star Dekel Crowdis, former four-star Christian Lewis. Um, you know, I think Chauncey Magwood was a four star on a couple of rankings, uh, you know, and then we get guys like Tavion Robinson transferring in from Virginia Tech. And it's just like, OK, like y'all need to wake up, man. Like and then Will Levis, who was incredible at the uh, Manning Passing Academy. I think you said they released they released like the rankings of like the quarterbacks at the at the Passing Academy. And you said he was like number two or something. I don't know if it was like in order or if they just like listed quarterbacks, but it was like young from uh, Bama, and then someone else, and then Levis, or Levis was two. So I don't know if it was, like, in order of how they performed or if it was just the top 11 in general. Yeah. Well, Levis was in there. Regardless, Will Levis, 
I mean, we've already talked about the fact that he's being looked at as a potential number one overall pick in the NFL draft. So when you've got a quarterback who can get the ball to you, and then you've got a lot more talent at receiver than you usually do, and you've got a decent O-line, and you've got weapons at tight end and running back, and you've got a NFL mind in Rich Scangarello at offensive coordinator, it's like all the pieces are there for us to be an elite offense and an explosive offense. And then to even it out, you got Brad White on the defensive side returning probably, well, probably one of the best linebacking cores. Phil Steele has Kentucky as like the fourth or fifth out of the top ten like best linebacking cores this year. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense. You know, you got J.J. Weaver, who's probably going to be one of the best pass rushers in the country. You got Jordan Wright, who's a six-year senior on the other end. You know, Jacquez Jones. Jones. You got his merch on. Jacquez Jones, uh, you know, who was our leading tackler last year. DeAndre Square, who's an NFL guy for sure. Who made Um, the uh, game-sealing interception on a bum leg. mm -hmm. Yeah, dude's leg was like snapped in half, and he like had the game-sealing interception against Iowa, and that dude's a warrior. You know, Derek Jackson is really good. Trevin Wallace, like we're deep. Keaton Wade, you know, even Keaton Wade was a true freshman. That dude could impact us immediately. Same with Tyrese Fearbury. So we're like two or three deep at at every linebacking position. Um, And then, like, I was pretty sketched out about our secondary, but I'm not as sketched out anymore because, you know, we got guys like Jordan Lovett who are going to be able to contribute more. Um, he's going to have a breakout year. We're going to miss Vito Tisdale, but you know, we got, um, six year senior Tyrell Asian at safety and, uh, love it. will probably replace Corker as the other safety, but then, you know, Carrington Valentine, I think will have a, a breakout year, you know, Zion Childress, um, we've got guys, you know, Andrew Phillips. So I'm not too concerned about the defense. Like overall, man, my excitement level for football is really, really high. Um, so Lovett also came from uh, North Harden, where Lavelle came from. Apparently, freshman or sophomore year, Jordan Lovett went into like a receiver practice, and I was reading in an article like around here where I'm from, and they didn't know what position he would be. Like they didn't. I don't want to knock his hands, but I don't know if it was like his hands or his feet movement or what. But apparently, he wasn't like performing at receiver. I don't know. But they said, how about you try DB? Can you hit? And he went from playing in receiver to leading the um, nation or being, like, top five in the nation and, like, first in the state in interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, he's a ball hawk. He's a hard hitter. He's good in coverage. He's uh, he's physically strong. Like, I really could see him. Like, Yusuf Corker, people do not talk enough about Yusuf Corker. That dude was consistently great for us for – like three years as a starter. And I think Jordan Lovett slides into that position perfectly because he, he basically is Yusuf Corker who with maybe more talent. So Jordan Lovett, very excited to see what he can do. But overall, man, I mean, the football recruiting is going well. We've got a lot of good news coming in. Um, you know, m- back to the basketball side, I'm very excited for the Bahamas trip. Um, is that this month? It's like at the end of this month or beginning of next month. It may be the end of this month and like the first week of August or something like that. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see the team in action. You know, all the all the good reports coming out about the Kentucky basketball team in practice. They're looking really good. So overall, man, I mean, it's a good time to be a Kentucky. Ba- it's a good time to be a Kentucky fan in general. Like the football team's on the up. You know, there's the concern about the NIL stuff, but I don't think that I don't think that they're gonna let that be a problem for too much longer no the kentucky twitter is too um i don't know what term to use but they're persuasive yeah they're too persuasive for lack of a better term to like let nil be the reason we don't get these high-end players in every sport 
and I mean, come on, Mitch, you've done a great job of building this program, this uh, the whole athletic program, and the football program is on the brink of potentially becoming like not a powerhouse, but like a, a tier two college football program. One of the um, Bama Twitter pages today said Bama versus Kentucky for the SEC title. Look at this year. Man, could you imagine? I mean, we'd probably lose by like double digits to Bama, but oh, it would be so cool. To- Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, all of them in one year. South Carolina, it would just make me and, so. And bro, I live in Atlanta, so if they have like a, if they have, if they, if we do make the SEC championship, I will be there. I don't oh, care cool. if we lose by forty; I will stay till the end because that's probably like a once or twice in a lifetime occurrence. If I'm scheduled for a shift at work in uh, Bowling Green at Western, or if I have like something going on like class-wise, just count me out. I'm going to yeah. Atlanta. I'm We're taking Baltimore. a trip, bro, for yeah. sure. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, if we if we make it to the SEC championship, it's like – and I'm not going to put those expectations out there because I don't want to be let down, but I do think it, it's, it's, it's certainly a possibility, like without a doubt. Yeah, no, it's 100% a possibility. So – well, that's all the topics for today. Um, it actually didn't go as long as I expected. You know, about an hour. That's kind of what we're used to. But um, you know, really good episode. A lot of topics today. Um, you know, just 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 good news. You know what I mean? Like, I think the last episode we did was mostly bad news. You know, we were kind of we kind of expected Wagner to go elsewhere. You know, we we it was the Chris Rodriguez news and all that. So it's good. It's refreshing to have just a bunch of good news to talk about. You don't know how Mitch could get the Kentucky fan base back behind him, like fully. How? If he sold beer at football games. If he sold beer at football games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot. I, I mean, I'm not too I'm not too passionate about that because number one, I don't really drink, and number two, I don't I don't live in Lexington, so I don't go to the games. So it's like it doesn't really matter to me that much. But yeah, I feel you like people bowling are, on game days. Do what? You should be in bowling green on game days. Really? The Western. Dude, I honestly think I honestly think I want to take a trip uh, up to Lexington. I've never seen a game in Rupp. I've never seen a game at Kroger Field. So I definitely kind of want to. I feel like it'd be cool to find a week during where there's like a game for both. You know, there's a football game and a basketball game, and I'll go to one of each. The uh, I think it was the year the Maxi and then uh, Hagen's and Quickly year. Uh, my birthday is February sixth, and on the fourth we played uh, Mississippi State at Rupp, and my friend Austin. It's weird to call him Austin, but because I call him by his last name. But Austin was like, "Laren, you do anything?" And I was like, "No, I'm off work." He said, "Let's go to uh, Rupp and watch the game." Uh, so after that, that game, I'm short notice, and it was, I think uh, Nick he had like twelve and eight in the first half, and then he ended up with like twenty two and fifteen or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only Kentucky basketball games I've ever been to have been were, um, you know, the ones at Stegman Coliseum in Athens when they come to because I live in Georgia. So it's like those are the only ones I've had direct access to. And I the maxi quickly here. It's funny. They came here and then uh, that's when Georgia had Anthony Edwards. And um, they were up by like 13 at halftime over us. And Anthony Edwards was like pumping his shirt, pumping his jersey, getting the crowd all pumped. He was acting all cocky and stuff. He was telling our players they were too small. And then in the second half, we just came back and won and that was such a fun game to go to yeah i remember uh everyone on twitter was clowning them and instagram like it's more than one half anthony yeah i was there bro i was i was actually like i had good seats too i was like close i was like almost at court level so it was kind of 
it was it was just funny to watch him like get all pumped and like all the fans were like I was surrounded by Georgia fans and they were all looking at me talking crap and laughing and stuff and then we won. Well, and- the only that gets so personal was that he chose Georgia over us. So yeah, yeah, and honestly, that was probably financially uh, motivated. I think I think Tom yeah. Green dropped the bag for that one. Hundred percent. Oh, could you imagine Anthony Edwards at UK, bro? Imagine him on that team. Like that would have been crazy. Like, what would have been the lineup? Because you had Hagens, Maxi, and Quickly, who were all starting. I think Hagens probably would have slid to the bench. I would have gone Maxi, Quickly, Edwards. Out, yeah. That would have been crazy, bro. EJ and Nick. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered because the tournament got canceled, but. Uh, we could have been like top five all year long. Oh, easily. I mean, we should have been anyway, but that was the year we lost to Evansville, dude. Yeah. That was crazy. Oh, I remember getting clowned so hard for that loss. And now looking back, that loss means nothing compared to like losing to St. Peter's and stuff. Was that the year Tennessee came back at Rupp? Like we were up by like 15 or 20 and they came back and beat us? I don't remember. I don't remember. Probably. I mean, that team was weird. They were like very hit or miss. I just remember like opening game of that season when uh, Maxi like dropped 27 on um Michigan State and I was like oh my goodness like and then like Maxi never really had a game like that again like he just uh, went down in the first game well we play like three top five teams or three top 10 teams all year long it was three games it was Louisville Michigan State and one other game Maxi averaged like 25 points in those games like the yeah. big games he was the big games he showed up but yeah I mean I love Maxi but I I felt like he could have played a little bit better that season but i feel like we would have made a run in the tournament too because that was the um the last game we played that year uh ej had the tip in against florida against florida that was oh that was so fun i yeah i'm still i'm still sad that that year got or that uh tournament got canceled because i really do think we could have been we could have one last thing i have that year um i dropped english 102 like the second part of english in high school i was taking as a dual credit class so i had it in college at my community college and we had to write a big paper. My paper was like 10 pages long. And my question was, should the NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament be canceled because of COVID? And then literally the next day, the tournament was canceled. And the next day, like all my classes went online. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, dude. I still remember, bro. Remember, there was like a video of like Emmanuel quickly, like on the ground, like crying when they canceled it. Do you, do you remember seeing that? I felt so bad, bro. Like that team was good. Oh, that team was so good. They were peaking at the right time. They peaked at the perfect time for sure. I mean, that what didn't against Florida when EJ had that tip in, didn't, weren't we down like big, weren't we down by like 15 or 20 and came back and won? Well, yeah, we were down big and that's because we were without Hagen's. And then that was also around the same time. Hagen's put that video of him flashing the money on. Yeah. 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 I remember that. That, that Hagen's, <laughs> I feel like we we don't nobody like the Hagen situation was weird because it's like his career here kind of ended weirdly like he was suspended for the end of the year so yeah but anyway this was a great episode man we gotta we gotta get back to doing it you know maybe once a week once every two weeks we definitely gotta you know depending on how the news goes but you know whenever we're both off bro I feel like we should definitely uh we should definitely do this because man I I love I love doing this well the Monday after Peach Jam we gotta do an episode Edwards hopefully will be a cat. Mm-hmm. And then we got to do an episode on Wagner and Bradshaw. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Kingsley, if he does reclassify on the few – he has an announcement coming up within the next few days or weeks. So when he does that, we might have to have an episode. 
Oh yeah, and then of course, you know, like we said, there's some upcoming football commitments that that could be interesting. So I mean, there's plenty to talk about, and then definitely during the Bahamas trip, we'll have to we'll have to cover. You know, hope maybe we can do like a post game for every game that we play mm-hmm, in the yeah. Bahamas. That'd be pretty fun. But all right, man. Well, uh, thanks for uh, coming on here talking with me again. It's been been fun. You know, it's good to get the pod back back up and running, and uh, I'll probably have it posted tonight, and uh, I'll promote it a lot tomorrow. But yeah, all right, we'll go cats. Yeah, go cats. Glad to be back. Thanks, sir.